Alrighty, guys. Welcome back. Howdy, howdy, everyone. Welcome to the Rainbow Rundown, week number two, here on the Left of Straight Show, where we share a little bit of the past week's news of interest to our LGBTQ community and our fantastic straight allies, and look ahead to a couple things that might be coming up in the weeks or so ahead, whatever happens to be on my radar this week. So I am your host, as always, Scott Fullerton. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are recording this on Sunday, April 30th, 2023 in beautiful downtown Northeast Ohio, just outside of Youngstown. Hope you guys have all had a fantastic week and let's go ahead and dive into it. It's time for the Rainbow Rundown. All right, I really don't have the time or the energy to go through all of the anti-LGBTQ bills going through across the country right now. It's really become quite ridiculous and quite scary on all these um, Republican-led state legislatures on things they're doing. This week, what kind of hit my hot button and got me a little pissed off was a ban on gender-affirming health care for trans youth that's been officially signed by Montana governor just days after state officials censored its only trans politician. The Republican governor, Greg Gianforti, signed the highly controversial Senate Bill 99 into law on Friday, April 28th, after it passed the final hurdle in the House earlier this month. One of the interesting things about this is the governor's son, David Gianforte, he's a 32-year-old son, and um, he's come out as non-binary and is lobbying against the uh, anti-LGBTQ legislation, lobbying his father in a regular lobbying way, actually, making an appointment. But so the governor's own son is against this law that he signed into being last week. So uh, the bill is also called Provide for Your Health Care Protection Act, of all things. It halts gender-affirming care for under 18 by preventing access to physically reversible puberty blockers. It also bans surgical procedures, which no private or public health care system currently practices on under 18 anyway. Uh, GN40 signing of SB99 came, of course, amid protests, um, activists calling for the government to rescind the censure uh, by politician Zoe Zephyr, and that is a whole other subject in and of itself. This um, first elected trans um, member of Congress for the Montana State Congress, Zoe Zephyr, was elected by uh, her region over 11,000 constituents strong, and she has been censored for speaking out against this bill, saying that it could bring blood on the hands of anyone in the committee that passes it because of the high rate of youth suicides that, that this could help lead to. So the um, state body of Montana censored Zoe, and now um, they only allowed to vote um, by video, they can still vote, but they're not allowed inside the chamber for the rest of the term. So it's really a scary thing happening in Montana 
and of course across the entire country right now. Um, it's just a very sad state of affairs. And like I said, there's so many of these happening right now. Of course, we talked about Tennessee last week and Lizzo affirming the drag queens there. But also, it just there's so many things that are going on. There's anti-obscenity enforcement acts. Also in Montana, we have Republican Arnold Mooney on Thursday prohibiting male or female impersonators, commonly known as drag queens or drag kings, for performing in areas underneath the public 18 and under could be present. Very vague language. It's what's similarly passed in Tennessee, which of course has been put on hold by a judge, thank goodness. And I think it was just re-put on hold till at least um, May 26 before it becomes um, in effect in Tennessee. So these bills are happening all over the country. It's a very sad state of affairs, and um, we just have to pay attention. We need to call them out as we see them, and we need to let others know that uh, these laws are happening across the country. It's not just the South. Like I said, we're talking Montana. We're talking in uh, the very Midwest states. So a lot of trouble there. Next up, I did want to give out a shout to Lesbian Visibility Week that happened last week. Uh, it usually happens right around April 26th. So Lesbian Visibility Week was last week. Um, we talked on our first Rainbow Rundown last week that the amazing Tello Films and Kristen Baker is doing a pitch contest right now for uh, a lesbian-themed Christmas movie. So be sure to check that out from last week if you didn't already. But uh, Lesbian Visibility Week, very important that we recognize all the letters of our LGBTQ plus alphabet here. Uh, of course, we've had some amazing LGBT couples. And what was kind of cool is they actually had um, actresses from the L Word Next Generation go to the White House this week. I have a Jennifer Beals was there who plays Bette, uh, Alicia Haley, Alice, Kate Monig, Shane, along with series uh, co-creator and executive producer Eileen Chaikin. They joined the White House's first ever open lesbian gay press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre, who I love, for a powerful display. Um, Jean-Pierre confirmed the cast and crew of the show would be meeting with LGBTQ staff members in the Biden-Harris administration to discuss plans to advance equality for the entire community. But uh, it's great having that. I mean, I am a huge fan of the representation we've been having in LGBT media. A couple of my favorites on TV, of course, have been uh, Kelly Olsen and Alex Danvers from the Supergirl television series. Uh, they played by Azee Tesfe and Kyler uh, Lee, of course. Um, then, of course, we had Terry Polo and Sherry Salam. They prefer the fantastic uh, Steph Foster and Lena Adams from The Foster Show. We've had uh, Peter on this in the begin with from Queer as Folk talked about that series that he was a huge part of. So um, it's just uh, great to see that. Of course, we have Samantha and Brittany from Glee, who was played by uh, Naya Rivera and Heather Morris so wonderfully in Glee. 
but we have a lot of great lesbians out there doing some amazing work. Uh, of course, we have Ellen, Rosie, Kelly Carpenter, Ruby Rose, Wanda Sykes, uh, Megan Rapino from Soccer, uh, Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live, Sarah Paulson, Jody Foster, of course, Jane Lynch, Lily Tomlin, so much more. So a big shout out to Lesbian Visibility Week last week. And uh, we all deserve at least a week uh, out there in the spotlight. So that happened last week. And congratulations to all the ladies uh, of our LGBTQ community out there. I saw this article last week that kind of uh, raised my curiosity a bit. Um, I think the LGBTQ community has been known in the past for having uh, great use of discretionary income because uh, we didn't always have kids, uh, marriage, things like that. And uh, I believe with the advancement of equality, of course, and just for part of it being a fallacy, we've really learned recently that we don't always have the most discretionary income. There's a great story, two-part story by Greg Owen recently, that according to the Center for LGBTQ Economic Advancement and Research, known as CLEAR, LGBTQ plus people in the United States face many economic and financial disparities compared to their straight peers, often driven or exasperated by experience of discrimination. So there was a, a great report that Greg did on it um, showing that we have higher rates of poverty, food insecurity, unemployment, job discrimination, among other disparities. And of course, it's even worse for transgender people and people of color. I'm going to put up a couple slides here that I found pretty interesting. The survey consisted of over 27, excuse me, the survey consisted of 2,500 people ages 18 or older in the U.S. It was administered online from December 16th to the 27th with a margin of error or plus or minus 2%. Uh, there was an additional survey of 503 straight people um, and cisgender adults that were conducted from January 27th to January 29th of this year with that margin of error plus or minus 4%. But the research um, was found contradicting common opinion about where LGBT people live and thrive. The largest share lived in the South, which is where we've talked about all of these laws happening, 40%, followed by the Midwest at 23%. Again, one of the leading anti-LGBT uh, laws happening now. They lived in the rural area, more than two in five or 43% were from a, a suburban area with 34% living in urban areas. And uh, the majority of respondents identifies as bisexual, 55%, and a third identified as gay or lesbian, 32%, 5% pansexual, 3% asexual, and 2% and other orientation. The gender broke down to 56% identifying as woman, and we had another uh, 37% as men, 7% as non-binary, gender fluid or gender non-conforming, and 3% unsure. Um, 
the racial breakdown from the research showed that nearly half the LGBTQ populations are people of color at 67%. And then with just a young people were half the respondents, 18 to 34 year olds were 50%, one in five were 35 to 44, 20% were one in four, of 45 to 64, and another 7% only were over the age of 65. 51% have less than 5,000 in savings, and 8 in 10 have debt, 48% of which over five hundred, excuse me, over $10,000. Um, so most of that is comprised of student loan debt. Believe it or not, the LGBTQ community has one of the highest incidents of student loan debt and also credit card debt. Only 50% of our LGBTQ population are able to pay all of their bills on time every month, with 11% unable to pay any bill on time every month. So it's a fascinating study. I, I again encourage you to look it up. Um, there was some amazing statistics through the study. Um, I think this Greg Owen did a fantastic job. I think it was in LGBTQ plus nation is where I found the article. So very interesting study. You might want to look that up. Up next on a story I found interesting today, there is a complaint filed with the Florida Commission on Human Rights against the Island House Key West Resort. Uh, it seems like one of the residents, Amina Chaudhry, claims that business had a discriminatory policy that caters to male patronage over women, and she's seeking to have the policy reversed. Representing herself during an administrative hearing about the complaint, Chaudhry said she's seeking no monetary damages and only wishes to have the court costs and legal fees incurred uh, covered by the resort's owners. Uh, according to the resort owners of, of Island House in Key West, women are allowed and encouraged to stay at the resort. There are separate apartment units for these purposes. However, Chaudhry was one of many non-guests at the resort who were asked to leave after the end of a pride fundraising event held at the pool and the resort turned to a clothing optional dress code. The owner explained that Chaudhry was asked to leave because she was not a guest at the resort and because not because she was a woman, they have the clothing optional for men only and they do have female resort guests. They're just not allowed in the clothing resort optional part. There is an agreement next door to provide pool and amenities for female guests. So I um, found it kind of interesting. As you all know, I was very fortunate to bring the Left of Straight show to the Indulge Resort in Palm Springs. They hosted us for three years, bringing my show and my guests there in beautiful Palm Springs, California. We're hoping to go back to Palm Springs this summer. Uh, I'm not sure if Indulge will be our uh, place of residence in there, but uh, the clothing option resort has been very kind to the Left of Straight show. And uh, Palm Springs has one of the largest um, clothing optional resorts in the country. So very interesting. And like I said, this um, the Island House in Key West does provide places for women. A lot of places do not. So it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Um, 
Chaudhry was invited to two fundraisers there. And then all of a sudden, the second one is when she decided to take issue with the mail-only policy when it went to clothing optional. And I guess she was really obnoxious that time, too. Put a lot of flyers about discrimination all over the property. So we'll be following this and seeing where that goes. But it's a very interesting story, I thought, just because um, I have an affinity for these clothing optional men's resorts. And the Indulgent in Palm Springs has been very, very kind to us. And there are quite a few in Palm Springs that cater to the LGBT, but primarily gay men community that uh, deserve the shame. Also this week, guys, the American Library Association is out with their latest list of the most banned or challenged books across the U.S. from library collections. And the list is aggregated by the um, American Library Association's officers, and it's done by the Office for Intellectual Freedom from reports filed by library, library professionals and, of course, um, concerned members of the community, as well as stories published throughout the U.S. And on the list of 13 of the most banned or trying to be banned books across the country, um, there's a record 2,571 titles that were being targeted for censorship throughout different libraries. Seven of the top 13 of those most challenged books contain LGBTQ themes. So I thought it was a very interesting. Um, the most challenge, challenge title was by author Maya Kobabi and her gender queer. It's a graphic novel and memoir. It faced 151 formal complaints, um, formal calls for censorship in libraries across the country. Uh, Juno Dawson's This Book is Gay rounds out the list with 48 formal challenges. I put a slide here that shows the seven books um, that were being considered for censorship because of LGBT content. Uh, it's just, they're always trying to do something. And uh, this year, like I said, 2,500, over 2,500 books on the list of potentially banned books of libraries across the country, um, seven of which for LGBTQ content. Uh, it's very surprising. Well, it's not surprising. But just, just to see the flip-flop of small government um, taking control of your own body, your own lives, your own children, that the Republican majority has always espoused. Now they, so often as not with these laws and with these books, are telling you what you can and cannot allow you or your children to see. So a um, very sad state of affairs indeed. As far as looking forward, we have some great opportunities coming up on video or streaming this month in May. Uh, I'm very excited about quite a few of these titles. Hannah Gatsby has a new special coming out. Of course, her, special, her newest special, Nanette, and I'm sorry if I misgender if she goes by her or they, um, but um, Hannah is an amazing comedian based out of Australia. Her first uh, comedian special, as I said, Nanette, 
was a no-holds-barred look at um, both being queer and mental illness and so many other things that brought such a poignant look to comedy, um, followed up by an amazing special called Douglas, which was, I believe, named after her dog. And that was uh, a little more fun, a little more tongue-in-cheek there. And she has a new special coming out on May 9th on Netflix. I believe it's called Something Special. And if you have not seen Hannah Gadsby perform, I suggest checking out all of her specials and looking for this new one dropping on May 9th. Also dropping Season 7 of the hit series Queer Eye uh, drops this month. And they are heading to New Orleans. So that's going to be kind of exciting. Oh my gosh, who are we doing this week? Our heroes this week are the fraternity brothers of Lambda Chi Alpha. Oh! That's right, we're doing a frat house. No! No! There's flies everywhere! Welcome to New Orleans. Our mission this week is to teach this educator how to learn to love herself. Do you have any, like, food hang-ups? I don't like avocado. I'm gonna try not to take that one personally. <laughs> since they've been together, Rachel has seen Stephanie become a shell of her former once-confident self. No! Everybody check their toxic masculinity at the door. You get a makeover. You get a makeover. You get a makeover. I don't know what you take, but I want some. Yes, I mean. I kind of looked myself in the mirror and started crying. Like I got to live this way forever. Those men, you hold everything inside, and it just starts to eat away at you. I really don't even know what I'm feeling half the time. Are you ashamed of your homosexuality? It has been very, very hard. In the inside, I wasn't very happy. OK. I've dried my eyes. Now let's go party. <laughs> You have opened my soul. This is arguably one of my biggest makeovers ever in Queer Eye history, honey. I've never experienced a moment like this. <laughs> I've never felt so seen in my whole life. Everyone wants to feel special. Everybody wants to feel loved. Oh There's nothing better than a big gay gasp. It's the gaspiest of gasps, it's the gaspiest. No one ever made me cry like this on this TV show before. <laughs> so that's going to be kind of exciting. The entire uh, gang, Jonathan Van Ness, Karamo Brown, Tan France, Bobby Burke, um, Anthony, uh, they'll all be heading to the Big Easy. Uh, one of their makeovers is for a frat house in uh, New Orleans. So that's going to be exciting. And I believe that drops on um, May 26th. No, excuse me. Uh, that's going to be dropping on May 12th on Netflix. So very exciting for season seven of Queer Eye. And then back to stand-up comedy, you know her, you love her, Wanda Sykes, who is uh, such a great comedian, such a great producer of queer content. She has a new special coming out called Let Me Entertain You, coming out on Netflix and streaming May 23rd. So she has a, a new schedule coming out, and uh, it just does uh, talks about challenges of raising Gen Z teens, uh, being a liberal in a hypercharged political climate, climate 
Uh, and Wanda is so good at uh, poking the fires, so to speak, in those. So her streaming special comes out on May 23rd. And then finally, we have a much anticipated Disney release, The Little Mermaid. Oh, I thought that! Abandoned ship! drowning i had to save him this obsession with humans has to stop i just want to know more about them ariel don't poor child i can help you you can't live in that world unless you become a human yourself is that even possible that's <laughs> what i live for about you seems different. I can't quite figure it out. She got legs, you idiot. I don't know where, I don't know how, but I know something's starting right now. Watching you'll You're a mermaid. That doesn't make us enemies. It is going to be streaming, uh, hitting theaters on May 26th. And... Uh, it's had a lot of controversy, as you know, because it is cast a black actress as Ariel, which is somehow controversial when it should not be. And it's just exciting to see this thing finally come. We have Melissa McCarthy, who I love, playing Ursula. I just can't believe the camp is going to be involved in that. Uh, Javier Bardem playing King Titan. Uh, it's going to be a fun show to watch. So that hits theaters on May 26th, and we'll see when the streaming comes after that. So lots of things happening in May that I think are of queer interest to us. And also I wanted to mention, also we found out last week that Heartstopper, the amazing web series that was on Netflix, uh, their second season was announced. It's going to be coming out in August. So that's another thing going on. So I'm going to show a couple uh, previews here, and uh, we have a great month of streaming and theater releases coming ahead of us, which I always look forward to.
to um, such great content always coming down the pike. Finally on my mind that uh, came across my desk this past week, um, basketball star Dwayne Wade and his wife Gabriel Union, a fantastic actress, um, opened up this week about their family leaving Florida. Of course, Florida has been in the news because of all their um, anti-wokeness and hate legislation being passed by their legislature and Governor DeSantis down there. But Dwayne Wade is a longtime resident of Sunshine State. Uh, Sunshine State. He became a Florida legend for his part um, in Miami Heat basketball. Uh, three NBA championship titles, 2006, 2012, 2013. So I am not a sports ball guy by any means, but uh, one of the greats in the sport of basketball. And he's stayed in Miami-Dade County, uh, often referred to as Wade County at the time. But him and his wife, uh, Gabrielle, opened up about having to leave the Sunshine State because they have an openly trans daughter. And they did not feel comfortable having their daughter or family living in Florida anymore. So uh, they moved to California. Um, their 15-year-old daughter, Zaya, came out in trans in 2020. And they just not feel safe with all the laws being passed there. So they had moved their entire family, uprooted it. I mean, like I said, he was a big star there. Tax advantages in Florida are good, especially if you're among the uber-wealthy. There's a lot of wealthy down there that live there solely for the tax advantages. But uh, this family put their money where their mouth is and moved to Florida to make a safer place for their family. So good on Dwayne Wade and Gabriel Union for bringing their family to California and making it safer for their 15-year-old daughter, Zion. So that was a great story to hear, very heartwarming, where people are putting um, their family above the head. So good on them. All right, that's about wraps it up for this week's Rainbow Rundown. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you found a couple interesting things that might not have been on your radar. We talked about last week on the premiere that I do have a fun segment I like called I Heard a Rumor. And uh, if you have any rumors for the show, you can go to the website, www.leftastraightradio.com, and there's a place you can put those anonymously in. Or you can DM me on my social media at Instagram and Twitter. It's at Left of Straight, L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. On Facebook, it's the Left of Straight Show. Or you can go ahead and just email me at scott at leftofstraight.com. Spelled the same, L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight.com. Let us know any rumors or things that you heard that might be coming up of interest to our LGBTQ community or straight allies. I'm always interested in tips on entertainment, foodies, books, music, uh, advocacy. So be sure to send me that and we will feature you. And I will send you out a special prize for being featured here on the Left of Straight Rainbow Rundown for the week. So be sure to to help participate in that because I think that's kind of a fun segment. If you missed any of the Left of Straight shows this week, I had a couple of great guests. The amazing director and producer Sam Irvin was on the show. We had a fantastic interview 
talking about his amazing career, everything from working with Ian McKellen and Brendan Fraser in Gods and Monsters, working with one of my favorites, Stephen Amell and Dante's Cove, working on some Christmas movies, which you know I just love myself a little Hallmark Christmas movie with Jonathan Bennett and, of course, the great Luke McFarlane. And he has a brand new book that came out earlier this year called I Was a Teenage Monster Hunter that talks all about his early days uh, and his interest in horror, how he did some amazing interviews, went to England and the UK to get some fantastic interviews, worked on some great horror shows. So if you missed that interview, be sure to look that up. Also, I talked to fantastic actor, uh, Mr. David Singletary, whose new web series, Marriage of Inconvenience, is streaming now on the great gay streaming platform, Deku. We had a fun conversation uh, this past week. And also the amazing writer, director, and producer, Mr. Brian O'Donnell, who is in one of my, fam- uh, one of my favorite LGBT films, Akron, filmed just 45 minutes from where I live here in Northeast Ohio now. We had a great conversation to him as well. So be sure to check it out. You can check out our links on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, all those great streaming platforms. You can find the episodes. We were supposed to have Wyatt Fenner on this past week, but we had to move him back. We had some audio troubles um, when we connected this week to do the interview. This week, a couple of great things. We're going to do five questions with David Singletary on Tuesday. That's always fun. Uh, Dropping on Friday, I have a couple of great episodes. It's a comedy Friday, and I'm going to do um, comedy legend Samson, who I absolutely love, been in the business forever, and uh, Stephen Zakari, who had a very fun interview with. So they'll be coming this Friday, and I think I'll have a special um, LGBT past episode to drop on Thursday for you. So that's coming up. Lots of things coming in the future. I really appreciate you embracing the Left of Straight show coming back on the air these last three or four weeks. Please tell your friends about us. Rate us on all your streaming platforms with a five-star rating. That gets it pushed out to more people. More people learn about us. And if you have anybody you think would be great guests that you can contact or send me their contact information. I'm always looking for great um, guests from the LGBT community or straight allies in entertainment, foodies, books, music, and advocacy. So have a great week, everybody. Happy May. Again, this is Scott Fullerton for the Left of Straight Show's Rainbow Rundown. Have a fantastic week ahead of you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Left of Straight Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast distributor and please give us a five-star rating so more listeners can find us. You can follow us on social media and be sure to check out our website, www.leftofstraightradio.com for contests and other news and information. See you next week.